You're listening to the CISN Radio Hour, a broadcast production of the Central Iowa Sports Network. With today's guest, the gaffer himself, Dean Johnson, my name's Danny Gatula, and now your host, the man Jurgen Klopp wants to be when he grows up, it's Justin Vorster. I wish I could coach like him, man. Hey, definitely. With a big press and that, but... Danny, that, that's some intro, in, introduction, man. It Fully gets deserved. better, it gets better every single time, doesn't it? Yesterday was the start, today's much better. Unbelievable. Dean, Gaffer, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate you guys having me on. I, yeah. I saw that sneaky episode with Lance and Charlie that we didn't know about, but um, now, now we've got the real one, you know? De- yeah, did you, <laughs> did, you, uh, did you enjoy that? Yeah, we did. We, we listened last night, all the staff in the apartment, we were, we were a little bit caught off guard and I think it was Rossi was like oh there's a there's a new podcast with, with Lance on it we were like what <laughs> so we we stuck it on and I think Kay was a little bit unhappy that Lance said he was he was angry yesterday but I think he's over it now so <laughs> <laughs> short memory short yeah. memory hey I, I, Lance was I think he was the expectations you know like the guy oh, spoke it was so funny you know what I mean he goes oh Adam Adam Kay was not happy with the third man running <laughs> just wasn't right wasn't happy you know, and I was. I said, "Yeah, I can. I can see that. I can yeah. see that." It's it's tough though when you sit down and you plan the sessions, and it doesn't really go kind of how we we expected it to. But it's part of part of a season. You know, not every day is perfect, but um, today was a lot better. So we're, we're thankful for that. It's good because you get days like that. I mean, we've all had them. Working environment, coaching. You, I remember sometimes going out. You planned a session, the players come in, but you don't know what the day's been like, and they, and it's it's awful. You know, and I'm just, you end up walking away, just blaming yourself, you know, at the end of the day. But it's sometimes the players and, and the type of day they've had or, you know, our, our players are in school, but it's a little different. These guys get a good night's rest. They get there for a 10 a.m. session. You've had some 6 a.m. sessions, haven't you? Uh, we had a few, yeah. We, we kind of made the rule that um, if we didn't win, we'd, we'd welcome them in the morning with a 6 a.m., which we do at college, but a lot of these boys have not really experienced that, especially from the, the big-time D1 programs. So I think it's a bit of a shock for some of them, but um, luckily we haven't had to do too many because we've been doing pretty well, so we've limited it, but um, there's been there's been a few early morning ones, yeah. yeah and you've got, to, you've got to be excited having wrapped up the, the division, but, y- you know, it's not over because you play Peoria, they've got something to play for, and then the menace have something to play for as well with the seedings with the US US Open Cup. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <coughs> the Open Cup is a is a massive piece of it. Of course, we played this year and uh, it's a great experience for everyone involved. So we want to we want to get involved with that again. Um, so, you know, this weekend is is really important. Um, we're still kind of challenging for the regular season championship as well through throughout the USL2. Um, so we we've been kind of hammering it into the boys that we're we're starting the playoffs now basically. Like the next game, every game from now is kind of do or die. And that's kind of the attitude we're expecting from them. So a big game for us, a big game for Peoria as well, because I know yeah. they have to win to, to get into the playoffs. So I think it's going to be a really, really exciting one this weekend. Yeah, and hopefully we have a big crowd. I know I've, I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter. Um, I've, I've had a few people contact me looking for tickets and I, I can't do it, you know. I can get all of Charlie and he can do the, the code system and that, but tickets aren't going for free right now. Yeah. You know, last week the crowd was great. The result was awesome. Um, and Gazuzzi's celebration was next to none. Yeah. You know, um, I actually had the circus call me up the other day just <laughs> looking for a, for a new uh, acrobat, you know, to join in. But Yeah, we're getting know. professional contracts all across the board. So. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, speaking of, uh, I, I, being down at training, I like the system that 
you and the staff have. Um, you, you know, each one of them has an, a role to play. It's not just you always hands-on and mm -hmm. they're watching or assisting. And it's like a top manager in the world, you know, where you're the manager and you've got first team coaches second yep. and, and second coach, second assistant. And then I think it gives you time to observe players and watch players. Yeah, for me, it's been great, to be honest, because um, it's kind of been a different role for me. And I think... Uh, I've really enjoyed it because it's something different and whenever you do something different you obviously learn a lot and you improve yourself as a coach as well so like where I've kind of come from I've usually been the guy hands-on doing everything and I think the setup we've got right now is fantastic for everyone because I get to sit back and watch and notice little small details that can help us in the game on the weekend you know Adam loves being on the field coaching so does Ross so does Omar so they get to do that and kind of give them license to run the sessions um, and it's, it's working out great so far, so we're, we're kind of going to stick with that system that we've got. Um, but so far, so good. I think everyone's enjoying it. I think the staff is fantastic. We've put together really, really good staff, and, and it's working out great at the moment. And, and speaking of staff, you know, Dean, they're from all over, and it's obviously your connections. You've known Adam and Ross and, and Omar. Uh, uh, I've known... I, I didn't know Ross. Ross was kind of a late addition, so he reached out to me... Uh, individually and just said hey I'm um, looking for something to do in the mm -hmm. summer like would you mind if I come down and assist and um, we we're really lucky to have him to be honest he's come in and he's done a really good job he's a young coach he's learning mm -hmm. he's he's got a really bright future ahead of him so I think um, we're lucky to have him I've known Adam for a couple of years not um, as well as I know him now right but yeah. um, we coached against each other for a while uh, in the NAIA his best man at his wedding is also one of my good friends yeah and that was kind of how that connection came about. So his his best man, like I said, is called Adam Butler, who mm -hmm. I coached against in NAIA and then in junior college. And originally, Adam Butler was supposed to come here to, to be my assistant, but then that didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of how Kay ended up coming. And again, it's worked out great. And then Adam Butler, again, was the one that introduced us into to Omar. So it all kind of fell into place. Yeah. Um, it's really tough because... We started working on the Open Cup stuff mm -hmm. and obviously it was so quick and like we're trying to throw a squad together, trying to throw a staff together and um, it's really, really rushed in my opinion. So like now it's a little bit better because we have an, a long time now to recruit for next year for the Open yep. Cup and next yep. year for the for the USL2. So it's a little bit more relaxed now. But I mean, for, for a staff that's been together not even two months, I think, I think we're doing a pretty good job, whereas most staffs in the USL2 are together for years and years. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, for us to do what we're doing after two months, I think is, is a good achievement for us. Yeah, and, uh, and in a short period of time, you know, and I said on the podcast yesterday to, you know, Charlie, and I was like, you know, any returning players? And he said, nope, they're all gone. Mm -hmm. New coach, new, new players, new staff. And, and that takes some graft. Uh, that's not easy work. I mean, you've got to build that within months quickly to get players in. Um, and it is hard, but you made it work. And, and you've had players in and out. We, we just, we don't have to mention it now, but, you know, injuries are a factor and um, players going off on uh, trials with different different clubs and that. I mean, it's, it's, and you're bringing in the next player and it's, yep. it's, it's difficult. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, for me, at the moment, it's probably the biggest part of my job is making sure we have enough pieces in, in each position. Like, I mean, we just spoke about, we've got a little bit of a situation mm -hmm. with the goalkeepers. Grant's got an injury at the moment. 
Um, we're not sure when Joey's staying till because of his college commitment. Mm. So we're we're bringing in another goalkeeper now. So just kind of finding those guys that a are available because mm. most of the top guys are either playing pro or they're playing in USL two for another club and we can't bring them. Um, so we've recently been looking at some guys that are kind of out of contract and looking for the chance to kind of get back into the league. And uh, I managed to find a keeper today that we're going to bring in that's going to help us out as well. Um, but there's a lot of competition all over the mm. squad and I think that's massive because we do have the ability to bring in guys if we need to that can come in and compete and if anything raise the level even higher than yeah. what we have. Um, so that's been a massive, massive part of you know my responsibility is, okay, we've, we've lost this guy in this position, go and find another one pretty much. Um, and it's working out great. You know, it, I've got a lot of connections that help me to do that. All the players we have so far have come through someone I know or mm. some of the players I know personally that played for me before. Um, but building the squad is, like you said, it's tricky, especially on such a short time frame. Yeah, and speaking of contracts, um, you, you, you can't, uh, with the league and the rules, because I know it's, it has to be college um, athletes or ex-pros, yep. For example, out of contract, but a League One or Championship club, they can't loan a player, right? No, we, like we can't get anyone on loan because so, it's an amateur league. Yeah. Um, they can't be on an, under any type of contract. Like we, we brought in a few guys that were in the league that are out of contract now where their contracts have expired and maybe they didn't get renewed, for example. Mm -hmm. So we've done that with a few boys that are kind of trying to get back in. Like Even for Riley, for example, he was a similar situation. Um, and we're lucky we've had him for the for the full summer, but we've... We've brought a couple extra guys in that are in that same spot, and, and hopefully we can help them to push on and, and get back to where they were. Yeah, and you have to get a f you have to get some players in that spot in case Riley goes. Yep, for sure. You know, and I think that can happen. Um, from North London, kind of Tottenham, kind of Tottenham um, area support Chelsea. I was actually born in Watford, so Watford. Oh, Watford yeah, Watford is. I, I don't know. That's a plush if area, isn't it? It depends uh, where you go. John, you know, like... Yeah, that's what a lot of people know it for, but it just <laughs> yeah. depends kind of where you go. Yeah. Um, but I was born in Watford, which for... When I come to America, I classify it as London, but mm -hmm. probably back home, it's not really classified as London. It's a little bit outside. So. Um, but yeah, I was born in Watford, Chelsea fan. Uh, started my youth career at Tottenham, which was weird, uh, being a Chelsea fan, playing for them. But I uh, did that, then moved on to Dagenham Redbridge and then out to the US a little bit later after. Um, but yeah, I, I call London, if you like, my home. So Yeah, and obviously you've played at that level in the youth academy, so this, you know the standards and expectations and what the coaching staff expect. And obviously you take a bit of that knowledge coming, you know, from what you've learned coming, going into uh, Dagenham and Redbridge. Yeah. And then over here, what you've learned in college here as well. Uh, from from the coaching staff and just molding everything together i think um bringing those expectations in a little bit like what adam spoke about as well you know and, and nailing that into the players and, ex and and trying to mold the players into your kind of mentality as well i mean i think it, it makes a heck of a difference um have you noticed uh, you coach in college and you've played an academy level in england but that was 2004, five, a long time ago, yeah. long time ago, and how much it's changed. Yeah, it's, it's a lot different now. I think, um, I don't want to say back when I was younger, the coaches could be a little bit harder on you, but now, like, I feel like a lot of the, the coaching aspects are more about the personality of the players now than, than back in the day. Like, back in the day, everyone got treated the same. 
And yeah. if you didn't like it, you can leave and, and someone else. But something I think I learned pretty quickly as a college coach was like you can't really coach all of the players mm. the same way just because they react differently. Um, we had a really, really good player when we won the national championship that if you shouted at him, he, he completely went in his shell. And we we didn't figure that out until kind of two, three games in the season. And uh, we were really close to cutting him. Um, mm -hmm. We were like, oh, he's not really doing the job we wanted. We'd, we'd put a lot of money into him scholarship-wise. And then, you know, we started to address it a little bit differently. And he ended up the top goal scorer for us. He, he, was, the, he was in the national championship team. I think he's now in the programme history, the top goal scorer ever. And it was just a little bit more like boosting him rather yeah. than shouting at him, which for English people, the natural thing is if you do something bad to shout at him. But he didn't yeah. like that. So yeah. like we'd have to put our arm around him and say, hey, come on, you can do a bit better for us. And that worked wonders for him. So I think the man management part is huge now, which I think if you look at the top part, top of the, the game now as well in the professional ranks, the, the guys that do that the best are doing really well. Um, so I think it's changed a little bit in that aspect. Mm -hmm. um, but football football changes all the time. So I think it's, it's a revolving door and it's you have to just kind of yeah. move with the flow and keep keep improving yourself. It's, it's interesting you say that about personalities. And I've, I've looked at a lot of stuff on Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, don't support United, just mm -hmm. respect the way he managed players. Uh, Patrice Evra and Wayne Rooney are, are great examples of tr he was trying to get a message through to Nani or Ronaldo about you're holding on to the ball too long, you're dribbling, you know, but in a different language, mm -hmm. you know, you know, Fergie was, but directing it at Evra, and Evra's like, what? Uh, yeah. You know, I've been taught, all the players are saying I had a great first half in that, but the message got through to other individuals, mm -hmm. so their game changed. Yep. Because if you slaughtered them, you lost them, you yeah. know, for the rest of the and game. There's times like, we, we've done that here, you know, like I don't want to give away everything we do, but like yeah. there's times where we've maybe gone and spoke to someone that probably we didn't need to, mm -hmm. but us talking to them would probably have a positive reaction from the other guys. Yeah. Like, oh, they're having a go at him and he, he done, he's played well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like there is a little bit of mind games that kind of go into it, which I think is the kind of the psychological side of the game that a lot of players kind of struggle with at times. But like, I think that's that's part of being, you know, in charge and making sure everyone's on the right page and everyone's kind of always switched on. So that's definitely a massive factor, I think, now in the game. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, and the guys the guys call you the master recruiter, the agent on your phone, <laughs> yeah. making the calls, which you have to. But it, it's unbelievable that uh, F Fernando Garcia was yeah. one of yours uh, yep. previously in college. I mean, that, that must... A lot of privilege and satisfaction at the end of the day when you see a player like that go off. Yeah, for sure. Fernando, Fernando's a special case. I think he's <laughs> someone that's been through a lot, let's, let's say, as a, as a college athlete. And he came to me kind of in a, in a bad spot and a lot of people kind of given up on him. And mm. I don't want to say he was classed as a bad egg, but he'd had a few bad experiences at a few different programs. And we kind of took him in and he had a really, really good year with us. And me and Fernando kind of, got on really well from the start. I think we've got similar mentalities, like we both want to win. Uh, we're not afraid to kind of work to, to get to where we want to be. Um, and for him to come here and, and go and now playing for Tucson is, for me, is great. I think he's he's always kind of been destined to get there, but he just needed a little bit of a push yeah. from, from some people that kind of believe in him. And I think that, 
that was the main reason that we brought him this summer was like hey you need this like, it's going to help you yeah. to get to the next the next step and unfortunately he came in and he done really well and ESPN and top 10 and he was yeah, gone now, he, now he's gone so um, you know fair play to him I still talk to him nearly every day he's messaging me about training and asking good. me different questions and telling us good luck for the game so he's still fully invested in Des Moines as well I think he's he's probably going to be a Des Moines fan for life now which is great yep. um, but yeah great great kid I've got got a lot of time for him and hopefully he carries on and, and pushes on even further up it, it says a lot for the organisation as well because it, everyone wants to come here and play <coughs> because they know what the structure is like here. Coming into it with your interview and everything with Charlie and, and Lyle and, and then Carl Kraus eventually, um, your expectation when you, did you know much about Des Moines Manus? Did you, you knew they were national champions, but this, the infrastructure that was uh, in place here. I knew I knew pieces because yeah. I'd obviously played uh, in, it used to be called the PDL when I played. So I'd played oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the PDL and Des Moines was, was around then. Um, it was always kind of one of the premium clubs, if you like. I think mm. they'd they'd always been there or thereabouts, but I think they'd only ever won it once, and it was like yeah. they were waiting to kind of tip over the edge. Um, I knew, obviously, last year. I actually watched the final last year. Um, I knew they'd won it last year, and they're in kind of a good spot at the moment. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to say I came into it blind, but I didn't know too much about the organisation, and it was actually a friend of mine that referred me uh, to Des Moines yeah. and said, hey, this guy is... He's probably the, the next best one that you could get. And um, it ended up working out. The interviews went really well. Um, all the guys were, were great and Sydney as well. Yep. Um, so it worked out really well. I think we had kind of similar ambitions. I think I want to win. The club wants to win. And it's in, a, it's in a good spot to do so. So I think everything kind of matched up and fit perfectly. And then uh, now here we are. Uh, yeah, they, they want to win all the time. And yep. I, that's expectation, obviously, from... You know, Mr. Krause himself, yep. um, but he'll give you whatever you need to do it. Um, whatever players you need brought in, he'll make that happen. And I think that that helps you a little bit as well. It gives you that freedom, you know, um, and dealing with the players and, and so forth. To talk, to, let's talk about the col your college, where you're at. And I think Danny had a few questions up his sleeve here. But, <laughs> okay. Um, you know... Danny, uh, I think you had a few questions. You were coaching the, both, the boys and girls. Men I and was. Women. So, uh, I'm not going to lie to you, a lot of work. A lot of work. We've got nearly 100 players combined between the two because we've got a men's first team, a men's JV team and a women's team. Um, so, I actually just stepped down from the women's because it's getting kind of out of control with how much stuff we've got to do to be running three teams plus doing Des Moines now as well. It's been a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Um, so I'm just going to go back now and do the men's with uh, Adam is coming with me as well now. Excellent. So yeah, great. Uh, that's going to be great. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. I love it because I'm, I'm one of them people, if I'm not working, I feel like I'm doing something wrong, if that makes yeah. sense. So like, yep. like the boys will say I'm always on my phone. It's because I'm literally always recruiting guys and getting you, stuff done. You're not done on Instagram, you know, like you're yeah, working. I'm doing, you know? I'm doing what I can <laughs> to make sure everyone is kind of happy and um, settled and in the best position for either Des Moines or for DNE to be successful. Um, and I think that's a big part of why my teams have been so successful at, at the moment. You know, Touchwood, yep. <laughs> all of my teams have done really well so far. So uh, long may it continue. Yeah, you might not need wood for this team. There's a, there's a <laughs> lot of quality in it. But, uh, but I mean, yeah, being that's kind of more my, my space is college soccer, just being at Lipscomb, you know, for, for as long as I have as a student and, and in student media, just kind of, 
working around, you know, and, and being involved in those training sessions and, and kind of what goes on, it's night and day difference. You know, when you look at just the league and, and the requirements and even, you know, from Division One at Lipscomb to Division Two, which for those who don't know, you're at Davis and Elkins in West Virginia, uh, the location, it, it just just everything, you know, is, is a very different experience. It's you're coaching football at the end of the day, but it's it's not it's almost it's almost feels like a different sport it has to yeah be. for sure and and davis and elkins is not the the easiest place to be i'll put it that <laughs> way we, we're kind of up in the mountains um a little bit kind of middle of nowhere i actually like it it's kind mm. of a ski town so it's a little bit quieter we get a lot of tourists coming in to go skiing and if you like the outdoors it's mm. it's a great place to live um but it's not a big city so it's not like busy all the time there's not you know, nightclubs and stuff for the guys to go to, which for me is great because all the guys I bring in yeah. are kind of concentrated on great. on Have a on a winning and be going to school, which yeah. again has worked out really good for us. But um, it's a tough place because we're not that well funded compared to some other uh, NCAA programs. So mm-hmm. the guys that come have to pay, um, and it's really tough to keep them. You know, last year we lost one game, and we've got guys paying a lot of money, and then the the D1 schools come in and, and take them, like Jan Luca, for example. Yeah. Um, got a really, really good scholarship from Missouri State now, so he's off. Um, so it's difficult, but I've enjoyed it so far. I think next year um, we're really, really optimistic that we can uh, push past the final hurdle and win the whole thing, um, which for a school like Davis and Elkins would be absolutely incredible mm-hmm. if we're able to do that. Um, but that's definitely the goal, and we're, we're looking forward to that in August. And, and I mean, when you talk about that goal being, you know, to win the national championship, I think a lot of people don't realize either that at a D2 level, that doesn't necessarily like that your success doesn't really have any effect or not too much on what your funds are the next year. So you almost no. kind of have to start over all over again. So it's not like you see any of those. And there really aren't many national championship funds at the D2 level to have anyway. Like the school hardly gets anything. The program gets even less. And, and so it's it's you know, if you win, it's almost you have to rebuild to an even higher degree. Yeah, I think I think people would be really, really surprised because a lot of people see the success we've had in the last year and a half and think, oh, they must have, you know, a lot of money to get all these guys and they must have unbelievable facilities to be doing this mm-hmm. well. Um, but I think if they actually saw, I've got a budget sheet that's longer <laughs> than this table, but if they saw what our budget was, even for training gear, for example, like we have 55 guys nearly and our budget is not very good for that doing um, a lot of fundraising we try but it's difficult yeah, because the guys are already paying a lot of money to go to school so like realistically their parents and their family are not really willing to chip in anymore and it's not like there's a big local community no, you know that you're in a big city to no, get you know, support. It's, it's tough so it, it, again it's a difficult spot but like we've kind of figured it out at the moment of how we can be successful and like what we need to do and and as of right now we've done really well and we're we're really optimistic i think adding obviously Adam into mm-hmm. the staff is going to help massively because we can kind of structure it a little bit more li- like here rather than me kind of doing everything is yeah. we can have him now and he can jump in and run the sessions and I can deal with everything else and, and we can kind of sit together and figure out team stuff and tactical stuff and um, that's going to be a massive help. So um, it's looking it's looking really bright. I think it's going to be a really, really big year for us and we'll, we'll see how it goes, but we, we think we're in a good spot. I'm curious, just like, what do you do when you're not training, when you're not coaching, when it's not a match day, especially in a place like, you know, D&E, where it's in Elkins, West Virginia, it's a ski town, but in the summer, well, I guess you're here in the summer, but like when it's not snowing. Yeah, honestly, you know, I'm, I'm the same as here. Like my, my staff from last year used to think I was insane because I'm always, I'm in the office or mm-hmm. I'm at home, like looking at videos of people 
sort of kids yeah. playing that I'm recruiting and I just have a, a bit of a hard time kind of switching off. I think the one thing I'd say I do personally for fun um, in West Virginia is we have like some really, really good like rivers and lakes and stuff. So we'll go yeah. down to the river and to the lake and kind of hang out for the, the day or whatever it is. Um, there's a few kind of cool restaurants and stuff in town as well. But uh, apart from that, I'm pretty much working all the time. So I'm usually either in the office or at home doing something related to football if, if I'm watching yeah. a game of a team that we're going to play or or planning the practice for the next day like there's always something that you can do if that makes sense I, I think well one how's Adam going to survive <laughs> he, he keeps <laughs> telling me he's a mountain man so well I tell, with the triathlons that he's got coming up in the Ironman he's, not, man, doing, he's not doing a triathlon in Elkins I'll tell you that because there's it's way perfect, too many hills it's perfect for his training isn't it <laughs> yeah there's way too many hills there for that but so I kind of like that stuff with mountains and wilderness. Uh, you know, even when I go out to Seattle, I haven't been for a long time. It's beautiful out there. Colorado's beautiful. Yep. And, you know, just like the, the small ski resorts and that, I think it, it's refreshing at yep. times, you know, rather than cities. I mean, I was a city boy back home, you know. And, and when I first came here, I was in Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> and I asked, where's the city? And been there. My, my mate... South African brought me out because this is it yeah I said you lied to me man <laughs> but you know. yeah it's, it's different for sure I think I don't think it's a place I'm gonna stay the rest of my life don't get mm -hmm. me wrong but it's definitely ambition you have ambition yeah it's definitely yeah. a yeah it's definitely something different than especially for me from home what I'm used to I think I've changed a lot as a person since I came to America because mm. I was traditionally you know in the city kind of yeah and now I'm I don't know if I could anymore, like live in a big, big city in the middle. Like I don't know if that's for me because yeah. I'm used to now being in a smaller place where it's a little bit more calm, a little yeah. bit more relaxed and I can kind of live my life and do my work and stuff and not be kind of bothered. Um, so I think I've definitely changed in that regard. But Elkins for me is a is a really nice place. I think it's, if you go, if you want to go on a holiday and go skiing and stuff like that, it's unbelievable. Um, just kind of depends what you like and that's what we, we talk to all the kids that we recruit and say, it's going to be what you make it. Like we've had a lot of kids come in that were kind of sceptical and they absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah. And now there's guys that come back for homecoming and stuff to visit yeah. their host families. And um, it just, like I said, it is what you make it. Um, we're in a good spot. I think the team is, is very, very good. So for me, as long as we're winning, I don't really mind where I am. Yep. Um, and most of the guys are like that too. So uh, I've got no real complaints with it and we'll, we'll see how it goes. It's great mentality. Winning mentality that's the focus the type of players you bring in like you've done here it's been wonderful you know up to now you've got the game on the weekend um i'm excited by it i mean i've been trying to look up a bit of stuff from prioria and and i know you've played them a couple of times uh, they have players coming in uh, in and out as well so sometimes you know the style of play but you don't know what to expect as far as personalities yeah and they're they're, uh, they're an interesting one so like um, I know the Prairie coach a little bit from, from college because mm -hmm. he's a D2 coach as well. I think at one point last year, it was me, him and, and Mark, the old coach from Des Moines, were, were one, two and yeah. three in the nation in D2. Wow. So we yeah. we all kind of know each other with the D2 coaches. So he's he's a very good recruiter too. So I'm sure he's dragging guys in and he's probably losing a few guys here and there as well. So um, we, we're expecting you know a really good game. They might have a few guys that we haven't came up against so far. Um, which which is fine. We'll, we'll kind of deal with it when we we need to. But um, I'm expecting a great game. I think they they're going to come with with everything because they need to win. Um, which for me is is the best game to play in. You know, it's going to be exciting. There's a lot to play for. 
um, those are the kind of games that you want to play in when you come places like this for the summer. We spoke, I think it was pr prior to Manitoba, um, and you said you worked on your speed of actions during the week, and I certainly saw that in the first half and how the boys came out. Um, is it the same going forward for this weekend? Was it a little bit different based on how Prioria play? Uh, we haven't really based it on Prioria. We've kind of mm -hmm. based it on ourselves and sure. what we think we, we haven't been doing great as of late. Um, we, we think we actually done a little bit better in transition defensively in the last game. We, we gave away the, the goal at the end, which was disappointing, but I think overall we done a little bit better than the previous games, which was something we were not worried about, but it was one of our things on the list that we need to improve. Um, but we don't think we moved the ball as well in the yeah. last game as we have in the previous game. So we're kind of working on getting the guys to not just focus on one aspect, to kind of complete a whole game, if you like. Sure. And um, we've worked a lot this, this week on on different stuff like going forward, like some third man runs and mm -hmm. stuff like that because I think that's something that we can improve on as well. But I think we're we're focused on, you know, improving our game rather than what Comproria do to us, um, which is kind of where I think we'll be at for the rest of the summer because we're not, I don't want to say we're not worried about the other teams, but we're not scared of the other teams, sure. if that makes yeah. sense. We yeah. know if we come and, and we play how we can play and kind of execute our game plan, then we're more than likely going to win. Um, so that's kind of where we're at with it. We've, we've worked again on a few things offensively, but not, not many major changes. Just now is going to be the big thing of picking the, the right 18 to win the game and, yep. and getting into the playoffs and going from there. We talk about offensively. I mean, you you got the characters up front. Um, Goldthorpe back, Kraft, Bir Birmingham, great acquisition. Yep. Um, Padilla as well. You lost Garcia, but I mean... Birmingham came in. You look at these players going forward, and, and Neville out on the <laughs> the Calypso King, yeah. out on the left hand side. I mean, it, it, you've, the the mold of players you have is is fantastic going forward. I mean, and like you said, from from in transition from defending to attacking, I I, I have noticed changes. I mean, it was I saw it on on the weekend last week. I thought it was it was brilliant. You know, as far as that goes. You had enough corners against Manitoba. I, I counted 16, I think it was, in yeah. total. Um, getting on the end of those, yeah. getting one of the lads on the end of it, you know? The, the corners is a <laughs> bit of a sore spot for me. <laughs> we'll we, just leave it at that then, Coach. We do get a lot. <laughs> the gaffers. Um, and that's something my college team, to be honest, do really, really well. Mm. Um, we've got a guy that plays for me in college that he's unbelievable from set pieces. He'll go and win everything. And he's, I think he scored six or seven headers from corners wow. last year. So... Um, the corners is definitely something we're thinking about. I think um, we don't want to overcomplicate it either sure. because then it yeah. can kind of bite us a little bit. But um, we've looked at a few things. We'll, we'll probably go over a couple more this week as well with the guys and see what we think is the best option. But um, we've just been kind of telling them like you've got to have some desire and go and go and win the ball and, and put it in the put it in the back of the net for us and get us a goal. So um, it's definitely something we've looked at because we've we've also noticed we've had a lot of corners, um, which means we're doing something right because we're yep. high up the field and we're attacking attacking well and kind of controlling the game up there but there's definitely things we can improve with that so it's definitely something we're looking at yeah Ryder Craft has he's certainly put in a few good deliveries as well it's good it's obviously free kicks in and around the box um it was good to have Corey Cupid back um he did add a bit to the to the squad you had him inside in the midfield yep. and then moved him out wide 
I like I like those options, uh, Dean, because I mean it just gives you a variation when you're making changes. Yeah, and Corey, Corey's uh, we have a bit of a laugh with Corey because we say like he doesn't have a position. Like we can kind of stick Corey uh, wherever, um, which for us is kind of invaluable because if someone is either not playing well or someone gets hurt, we know we can always kind of stick Corey there. Um, so he's been a massive part for us uh, this summer, and hopefully he carries on to be so. But um, we've been really happy with him. I think he's had a good summer so far. He's been one of the, the more consistent players. And um, like I said, hopefully he carries on for the rest of the summer. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been fantastic, except except obviously the one the one game where I thought he was doing well. You gave him a grilling, so you saw something different to me at the time, obviously. Um, but second half, he did come out and uh, perform really well. I think a player that doesn't really get mentioned enough is Connor Langan. Seven out of ten every game. He, he, he is. I've just just his his role in defending. He's covering while he's winning tackles. He's blocking, yep. intercepting. And I don't think he gets enough mention. And I if see you get a seven as a center back out of ten, that's really an eleven. Yeah, and I think I think he's high. he's been kind of the Mister Consistent for us. Yeah. And like mm. when I say seven out of ten, that doesn't mean he's a seven. He could be more, but he's consistently at least a seven out of ten every game. I think he's he's had a great summer. Um, he's been in and out just because of rotation as well. But the last couple games, he's kind of held his place and yeah. and done really well. And um, and a great great guy as well. You know, he helps out around the club. He's not just here to play. Like he's he's you know bringing the guys to and from training. He's picking guys up from the airport for us. So he's been a massive part for the summer, and he's fully invested in kind of what we've got going. And we're hoping yeah. he's another one that uh, we can kind of push on to the to the professional level once he gets done because he's done with school now. Yep. Um, so he's he's got a good career ahead of him. I think someone's just got to give him a chance, and and they'll be they'll be really really happy with him. And that's getting to my next point. Here in the US, it's either some of these kids they struggle, they they get there, or they're really good in college. They've done well in the in USL two, and then they try, and it just they keep. Personally, I don't know what it is. Um, if it if it's something to do with the structure or salary caps, I know one of my buddies coached in the championship where he was at Cincinnati FC, and he told me the same thing. They've got international caps, and and it's who they can bring in and who they can't bring in, and some of these kids just lose out. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. I think I think the main thing really is the is the connections because. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of players that are playing in USL Championship, USL League One, that wouldn't get into our team. And they're just there just because they have a very good agent or they know someone in the club that's kind of got them a foot in the door. And that's that's one benefit of the guys being here this summer is now they have this on their resume and they have myself and Kay and Ross and Omar and Charlie and Lyle that can kind of vouch for them a little bit, um, which which helps more than people think. Um, And like, I'm not saying the the pro coaches listen to everything I say because they don't. And, and Fernando's a prime example of that mm-hmm. because um, obviously he's playing for Tucson now and I had a coach from another team in the league uh, call me after they played against Tucson and say, oh, I should have listened to you, I should have took him. And I'm like, yeah, well, he didn't. I know who you're so, talking about. So, um, he lives down in Chattanooga, it's, doesn't it's he? It's tricky, it's tricky. So like, there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of that that goes into it because at the end of the day, football is so opinion-based and, you know, you need kind of people to push you as much as it sounds. You can be the best player, but if you haven't got someone helping you and someone kind of pushing you and putting you in the right spots, um, then it, it becomes really difficult to break in. But once you're in, you're in. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. how it works. So when you get in, even if you don't have the best season, 
more than likely someone else will pick you up because you have that I was a pro on my resume um, yeah. which again I don't really like that but that's kind of how it works here so that's yeah I know exactly how it works and I, <coughs> on that point I think the coach that didn't listen to you I won't mention his there's name a few there's I, a few yeah, that don't listen to I, <laughs> because because I know who you're talking about um but he will listen to you next time if you maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, he better listen to you. There, I mean, there's a, there's a few, and like yeah. it's it's not just the you know this summer thing. There's been guys you know throughout college. Even when I was a junior college coach, there's you know Division One coaches that I've said, hey, you need to take this guy, and I don't know what it is, but sometimes they just don't don't want to listen, and then it kind of bites them because I've had guys that have gone on to Division One and played against those coaches and scored against them, and then I always get the phone call every time like, oh, I should have took him, and I'm like, yeah, I tried to tell you a year ago, but. Do you think it's an ego thing? I think a little bit, yeah. yeah. A little bit. A lot of the coaches are kind of, if they don't find them, they don't want them, if that makes sense, which yeah. I never understood. If you call me tomorrow and say, Dean, I've got the best player and it's going to be the best player in the USL League 2 right now, I'm taking him. I don't care who found him. Um, and that's kind of a little bit of a problem for a lot of coaches is they, they, they don't like to get given the players. They always want to go out and find them. And I get it because... It's great when you find your own player and he becomes unbelievable for you. Right, and that's perfect. Right. But if someone's going to hand you the best player on your team, you have to take them. Um, so that is something with some coaches that I find a little bit strange at times. But um, yeah, it happens all the time. You'd, you'd be surprised the amount of guys and that I spoke to about different players and told them like, "Hey, you need to watch this guy." And they're like, "Ah, oh, no, he's not. He's not good enough." And then yeah. the, the kids go on and play pro. Like, we've got a kid now that played for me that's at LA Galaxy that. I recommended to, I can't even tell you how many teams. And they said, no, nah, no, nah, he's not good enough. And then LA Galaxy signed him. He's playing for the Galaxy now. Yeah. Name? Uh, Dehaney Williams. He's at LA Galaxy 2 right now. Yeah. He played for me in junior college. And I think I recommended him to nearly every single League One team. And they were like, no, nah, no. Nah. And he's an American. So he doesn't even take up an international wow. squad. That's an easy one, isn't it? And yeah. no one okay. took him. We got we ended up getting him signed with, a, with an agent who'd done a really good job with him. And now he's playing for LA 2. And... I think he's got four assists so far this season. He's, wow. he's doing really well. So It's a good club as well. And, I mean, there's a stigma, isn't there, on Division Two compared to Division One, And it it's not often merited. Like, people don't – the and this is one of my big things is, like, as somebody in sports media, like, if you're not – if your club or your school isn't being seen, then they're not going to get recognized as a school that, that has talent. And it doesn't make any sense, but that's just the way – again, it's especially in the U.S. Like, yep. it's commercialized, right? It's the way that it works. So if you see a – if you're scouting guys, you know, in your position and somebody wants to, you know, to find a player and they see a stream that doesn't have, you know, commentary at all or a scoreboard, mm -hmm. like it just, it gives you that kind of like, especially here, there's this like this bias that I don't think people even realize is there. And D2 gets kind of this, the shorter end of the stick where a lot of times they're, they're better quality players. Yeah. I think the college game is, it's really hard to judge because mm. my team, for example, I'm, I don't want to name schools or anything like that, but sure. we played a lot of division one schools and, uh, we beat every single one we played. And people don't know that and people don't care to kind of investigate that. And it was the same when we were at junior college. You know, we would play four-year schools and we would beat them. But because we were at junior college, people assumed that our players weren't as good. Um, I think it's a little bit different than how people think it is. So like, I think the best teams in every division will compete with each other, whether it's junior college, D3, NAIA, D2, yeah. D1. All of the top 10, top 15, 20 teams can all play with each other. There's some teams in Division One that would get absolutely destroyed by junior colleges. 100% agree with you. People people yeah. don't necessarily know that. And I think that's something that needs to be known by 
especially the kids coming out of high school and like they all see D1 and they're like, oh, they have to be the best team, but that's not how it works. Um, and it's the same kind of across the board, even with coaches. There's some unbelievable coaches in junior college, some unbelievable coaches in, in D2 and, and NAI and D3, and they don't necessarily get the chance to go to D1 because a lot of the ADs at the D1 schools are like, oh, they've never been at D1. Well, yeah, but they've, they've been at D3 and D2 and they beat every single D1 school mm-hmm. they've played against, so why not give them a chance? Um, and there's a little bit of a stigma with that, which it's hard to kind of break through but if you notice a lot of the most successful ones now have come from kind of more humble beginnings and and been kind of at the bottom and made their way up because they've had to do it with less so when they get given something with more it's easy for them so yeah there's a big stigma with that but i think it's slowly starting to break down a little bit um but yeah i think i think you're right a lot of the d2 and the the other level guys kind of get overlooked a little bit and I mean, do you see that as like part of your path? Like, I mean, with, with the aspirations that you have, like you talked about like a moment ago, players or, or coaches even who, you know, started a, a smaller school with less of a budget and, and with less, you know, kind of fanfare around them when they get to that higher level, like they, it's easier for them. Do you feel like that's, that could play out in your case as well? Yeah, a hundred percent. I've always joked and said like, there's some schools that they have so much money. Like, if I ever went to one of them schools, I'd never lose a game in my life. <laughs> and I've said this. Well, there are schools like that. Yeah, and, like, I've always been at the yeah. schools that kind of were a little bit underfunded, um, were kind of in a spot where they didn't want to be, weren't playing great and weren't succeeding great and been managed to kind of bring them up a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's tough. Even, you know, Adam's another prime example. I think Adam's a great coach. And he's, he's I, been I in do a, too from he's been in NAIA. And he, yeah. he kind of has applied for a load of different jobs and, and he's been overlooked because he's been in NAI. And uh, I was in NA, I was the same. Yeah, yeah. And like he's now yeah. he's coming with me to, to Davidson Elkins, obviously, and that's going to help him because now he's going to get NCAA on his resume and all that. But you shouldn't have to do that. If you're one of the better coaches, you should automatically be at the front of the line for a good job. And it is, yeah. it's frustrating for sure for a lot of coaches. I know some guys that have applied for people say the big jobs and been overlooked and they've hired people that have gone in and won two games and it's like well I guarantee you he would have won more than two games but you didn't give him a chance because he's not coming from he's not a volunteer assistant at the ACC or something like that and like that that's really frustrating for a lot of coaches I think in in the collegiate game at the moment that would I've seen this I've seen it as well Dean it's 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 crazy, and I just think it's a, it's an old mentality culture, maybe that's, and hopefully it'll change someday. Because um, NAIA, I mean, it's it it's great, great league. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I mean, I've seen some of those teams play, and the football they play is is brilliant. Yeah. You know, and I just think giving them a chance, and it's like a, we'll go back to coaches. It's like coaching. If I'm the head coach, I, I want to bring somebody in that knows more than me. Mm-hmm. Because then you trust them, and I'm going to learn from them. Uh, and what I've found is, and it, even in the NCAA one, two, and you know, most of the head coaches have somebody that's really not better than them, and the head coach is running all the sessions. So, who they're learning from at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing, same thing, same thing all the time. And I think by you taking Adam, what a team! Yeah, for sure. I think I think it's great for, for everyone involved because now the guys are not just hearing one voice as well. Like I think yeah. it gets really repetitive for, mm-hmm. for student athletes or even guys here, like if you're hearing one voice all the time. I think that's another reason, you know, Rossi helps out massively because yeah. 
you know, when Adam's not telling him something, Rossi's right there as well, giving him some other information. So, like, I think that's a big, big point. Um, and it, it becomes tricky because not all the schools have the ability to do that. Right. Um, but the top schools do. So there's no excuses for them to not kind of set it up like that. But I think a lot of it as well comes down to the ADs maybe not knowing the sport as well. Because um, obviously yeah. soccer is not an American sport. So the ADs maybe look at the resumes of guys and don't really know what it means and then they yeah. see like a school like Duke for example and they're like oh he was at Duke he must be really good which is yeah. not the case right? Um, especially if Duke only won five games last year yeah. so it, it just depends and I think the sport is growing so that might change over time but right now is a, a tricky time for, for coaches because maybe the people above in the AD positions don't really know soccer that well so they don't really know how to digest it um, but hopefully that changes as time goes on. I think the sport's growing every year. It's getting bigger and bigger, uh, which is only going to help with that. One of the things that you know, we've talked about bigger schools and, and you know, the top clubs with all the money involved, one of the big things that's affecting and rocking that world is NIL, right? The, yep. the name, image, and likeness. Has that affected D&E or that level at all? And do you think it'll trickle down at some I, point? Honestly, I don't think my guys even know what that is. <laughs> honestly, I don't think they have a clue. There, there might be a few that, that kind of know, but we're... We're so focused on other stuff that that's not really been a big conversation for us. Um, you know, every single day my guys at the are texting me like, oh, are you ready for season? Like, we're gonna, <laughs> no one's going to beat us this year. Like, they're, they're ready. Like, they're, they're like machines at this point where they're, they're so focused on the one goal that they're not really thinking about, can I make some money from a shampoo deal or something like that? <laughs> Um, which is different in the D1 as well because a lot of the D1 boys, they want to do that stuff. Um, But that wouldn't really fit right with my program anyway because we're not really worried about doing that. We're we're there for two reasons and that's to win a national championship and to get your degree. Um, So like, that hasn't been a big conversation. Maybe that'll change when I get back, I don't know. Um, But so far we haven't, I don't think I've had one guy speak to me about that. Would you find that would be a distraction to the players? Potentially. Yeah. Potentially. I think... I don't think it would be a huge one because the guys are all on social media now anyway yeah. and they're doing that stuff anyway. But um, if they're concentrating on that, I mean, if you take your concentration away from for, you know, a week, two weeks and try and do stuff like that and maybe slip up for a couple of weeks in training, you go out the team, it can affect you. Um, but for D&E, no, we haven't had really anything with that so far. So your ambitions, and uh, I know you've probably... Your phone's blowing up, and you've probably got <laughs> We're watching this, it happen you've got right this goal, a goalkeeper, you've got this player coming in, and that, and you, I know you need to get stuff sorted out because at this stage you're an important man right now. You know your your ambitions. You, you signed a two-year contract. Yep. With a menace, which I think is fantastic because continuity is good. Um, I, 2025 is the launch of them going into the championship. Everyone's excited by this, you know, and, and obviously the stadium. That put, that'll put you at the 23-24 season mm-hmm. at least. Um, wouldn't that be something if that came up? You know, you wouldn't. And, and just s- seeing how things go, would, would, would that be your end result ambition or is college where you like it, more structure, more, more um, stability, I'd say? It's hard to say. I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that I'm always going to try and go as high as I can. I think to get to kind of where I am now within, I think I only started coaching about five years ago. Um, I've had quite a rapid progression, if you like. 
Um, I don't plan on it slowing down, hopefully. Sure, so I'm, yeah, I'm hoping absolutely. I can kind of get to as, as high as possible, whether that is, you know, here with Des Moines or, you know, somewhere else in the future. I don't know. I, I don't like to kind of plan that far ahead, if you like. I like to concentrate on the now and make sure we do what we need to do at the moment. Um, but the goal is, is definitely to try and get as high as possible. I think um, if you'd have asked me when I was playing, that if I'd have been a coach, you know, potentially when I was older, I would have said, no, no chance. Like, it wasn't something that I thought I was going to do. Um, but it was something that I kind of fell into when I finished playing. Um, and I don't think I could really do anything else now because I'm so fully invested and it's like my lifestyle yeah. now that 100% is what I want to do and 100% I want to try and get as high as possible. And I think, um, you know, everyone on the staff here is the same way. You know, everyone here wants to, you know, improve their life and improve their position yeah. and, and try and kind of climb the ladder a little bit. So I think we're all in similar mentalities with that. And I think, you know, I don't want to put limits and say that I want to coach in the USL Championship or I want to coach, you know, MLS. I don't like to put limits on stuff sure. like that. So I'll just kind of keep going until people tell me like, no, you can't go anymore. And then I'll be like, okay, okay, I'll be okay. <laughs> so. Well, you're not married, right? Nope. Nope. So, I mean, you've got everything at your feet and progression in that. And obviously nothing's going to stop you because it's your livelihood. Um, I think it's exciting to have that <coughs> mentality and, and just and just to keep going and, and going with the flow. And obviously in life as a coach, and I've been through this ups and downs and a player rejection, and it's, a, all right, you've got to just switch on again and go for the next one and the next one, you know. And it, it's a tough battle sometimes, but when you hit that road and you're going. Yeah, it's not, it, it's not an easy life. I think, I think people kind of think that being a soccer coach is like an easy job. Like you just go to training every day and you just kick the balls around with the guys and it couldn't be further from the truth to be honest there's so much more that goes into it and um like even here at Des Moines like yeah we have training every day at 10 a.m but there's a lot more stuff that we have mm -hmm. to do that people perhaps don't see um so like in general I think it's a an undervalued job because at the college I can't tell you how much stuff I have to do and it, it sometimes is really really overwhelming where you're like do I really want to do this anymore um, and there's been times, you know, since I've become a head coach and run my own programs that I've considered saying, you know what, I'll just go and be an assistant at D1 and I'll run the training sessions and just relax the rest of the day. But I always come back to it where I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to make something for myself. Um, so it's, it's a complex job. It's, it's a way, way trickier job than people think. It's not for everyone. I've had some friends that have gone into coaching that are probably very good coaches, to be honest. But... The other side of the game, they just can't deal with it and it's too much for them and they end up going back to regular jobs and just yeah. making money and and that's great for some people but you know, some people like myself and the guys here, like this is what we want to do and this is kind of where we're at. So um, and it's a passion, you know. I think <clears throat> I think at the end of the day I, I just remember this in college is my passion was on the field uh, and that's what I enjoyed. You get back to the office and it's a budget, it's administrative yep. stuff, it's eligibility, and you come down and see me, why, why your grades, this and that, and you're dealing with all of that off the field. The fall was my favourite. Yep. The spring I didn't like. I love, I love it when we're, <laughs> when we're in season, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's we're travelling, everyone's yeah. already eligible, we're going yeah. and playing games. Like, I love game day. Game day for me is the best day because um, I'm a little bit more relaxed and uh, I think little bit nervous for the games but like you're already there now there's nothing else you can really right. do at that point so um game day for me is great like i love i love in college when we go for away games and 
um, you know, I love the f- the feeling of playing at someone else's place and you've got the fans shouting at you and like, I love that stuff. Vibe. Yeah, I love yeah. I love that yeah. stuff and I think that's the reason now that I can't do another job because I've done that as a player and now I've transitioned to it as a coach and I'm mm-hmm. still kind of doing the same thing even though I'm not playing. Um, so it, be- it becomes tricky to to do anything else really. I tell you what, you, you'd miss Goldthorpe rattling away in the oh, locker room, wouldn't you? And, and Speedo. Speedo's back to, tonight, I think. Yeah, tonight, no, so he, he, really? he yeah. messaged me and told me he was, he was on his way back. I'd, we were trying to get him on a Zoom call with one of them. Oh, it was, yeah. it was yeah. just too difficult. Speedo's but we, great. We wouldn't have got a bloody word in, to be <laughs> honest with you. No, uh, but that's, that's what you want to be around, you know? I think, yeah. um, you know, we're still relatively young as well, the coaching staff, so we're still kind of able to connect with the guys and, and kind of be in that moment and the vibe with them so like i don't think we're too far attached from them that we can't be involved with that um which is another reason that i think we're doing really well is we have a good relationship with the players yeah. um there's some tough conversations we have to have with some that don't make it into the squad or we tell them like you're probably not going to play this summer we've had some of those conversations but i think they they kind of respect us enough that they understand the position we're in and like yeah we're, we're their coach and you know we're here to win games but we're also I don't want to say a friend, but a friend as well. You know, yep. if they need to come yep. and talk to us, like we'll, we'll talk to them. We don't mind doing that. Um, so it's it's good because we're young enough to relate to them, but we're also old enough that they kind of respect what we're here to do and and the job that we're here for. Yeah. Before we go, and I, I I've just got so many questions going on in my head, but the mentality uh, of players. It, the mental side is a big part of it, and we, you know, you've seen this and read stories about it. I've seen it with friends and that, but that locker room environment, I, you know, before in the past, players weren't really educated about when football's done. That was what they loved, and now they're at sure. home or fishing, and they don't have everyone around them like they did in the bantering, you know, and I think. I think that's a key part of some of the players' education that, you know, it's not going to be like this for the rest no, of your life. No, it's hard to replicate that. Yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard. Like, um, a, lot of, a lot of guys struggle with that because they're used to being around, you know, their boys in the locker room and yeah. music on and having a bit of fun. And, and then that part of their life is completely gone. So I think the guys that are here are in a really, really privileged position that they get to do that. You know, they get to be in a top environment where they're taken care of and they've got everything they need. But they also have that part where they're you know they're around their boys mm-hmm. they get to train them every day and they need they need to take advantage of that because it doesn't stay forever i mean you guys can probably attest to that as well uh once it's done it's, it's done and you don't get that back anymore so i think if the guys are listening you know enjoy it while you can we've got we've got a little bit left of the season so let's keep winning so we can go as far as we can but um that that's something that is very very undervalued is that that side of the game the friendships you make and the you know the memories that you create together is like winning the national championship is great but uh, some of the guys that you met this summer are probably going to be your friends for the rest of your life now so um, yep. that's something that they they also need to cherish as well it, it's a good point even you know staying in contact with yourself and and you know adam and, and roscoe i think it goes a long way and looking forward to you coming back next year you know um i, I think it, i think it's it's brilliant you know i've also made friends with some of the players yeah, from last season, I'll message them. And when I see them playing, some yep. of them are in the pros, and I'll just message them and say, congrats, you know. And th- th- they always come back. And yep. it's, uh, it, 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 it does, because the, the network of football is so small, and, and it could just take a rec- recommendation here or there. Um, but, yeah, obviously, 
I'm looking forward to this weekend, Dean. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And also, you know, we don't know who we're playing next week. We'll forget about that for now. Take care of Saturday. Yep. We Now and the next game. But appreciate you coming on. I mean, means a lot to us and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Great chatting with you. I haven't had time to chat with you, <laughs> even at training, because you're so yeah. busy. And I don't like getting in your way. I just, you know, a quick high on that. But all the best on the weekend. I'll be down there, shake your hand, and good luck. And um, get back up onto the booth and say some good things. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank, thanks for all you guys do as well. You know, I think um, you might not hear it a lot, but, I mean, all the guys appreciate it. All the staff appreciate what you guys do. So we're, we're really happy we've got you guys with us as well. Thank you. Thank you. Folks, and thank you very much for listening to today's episode of CISN. CISN Radio Hour is a production of CISN.TV, which is, of course, where you can watch every single Menace home game, including the one this Saturday we spoke about, Peoria City, coming to town Saturday at 7 p.m. CISN Radio is produced by David Mabel. Our executive producer is the boss man, Peter Tarpey. And for today's guest, Dean Johnson, and today's host, Justin Forster, my name's Danny Katula, saying thank you very much for listening, and see you next time.